This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The Holocaust uh, is being remembered this week. And over the weekend, I noticed uh, a lot being written and said as well. The liberation of Auschwitz by uh, Soviet troops at the time. Uh, This was the killing factory that we've all become somewhat familiar with. Uh, But there's a lot of lessons to be taken away from this. And uh, here to help us in that regard to understand in the full context, Bernie Farber has joined us, chair of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Bernie, good to have you back on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Nice to be back. Thank you, John. You know, Bernie, uh, we all know the adage about uh, learning the lessons of the past, and if you forget, you're doomed to repeat. Do you think there's a danger of the lessons of the past being forgotten insofar as the Holocaust is concerned? Seems to already be happening. We uh, we know of at least two polls that have been done in the last couple of years, one called a Pew, uh, Pew poll, in which it was discovered that uh, almost 50% of adults in North America, that's both Canada and the United States, did not know that 6 million Jews had died in the Holocaust, and uh, roughly 40% didn't know what Auschwitz was. So when you ask, uh, can it be forgotten? The sad answer is yes. Uh, Days like today, the 75th anniversary, this is a day where we stand with the never forgetting, because forgetting can be the first step to repetition. So this is this is a key day today, and education is... Uh, is what we really need to to move this ball forward. Well, would you suggest uh, mandatory lessons insofar as the Holocaust and uh, just genocides in general might be necessary for school kids who, if they're not learning it, this is where, you know, these kinds of things will slip into the mists of history? Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, I suggest the later primary school from grade six up uh, that we take a look at uh, installing, and, and there are great programs for genocide studies uh, that, that that can be given age appropriately. Um, and without them, and you're quite right, John, I mean, without them, we, we really stand this chance of not just forgetting our past, but not understanding how our past has, uh, you know, impacted our future. And right today, as you and I are speaking, the, the uh, incidents, for example, of anti-Semitism are at an all-time high. I mean, we've gone from, and you and I used to talk about this years ago, and people were, you know, spray-painting synagogues with awful anti-Semitic slogans, that, that type of thing. But we've gone from really dangerous, awful words to violence, assaults, and even murder. And, you know, neo-Nazis, I, don't, I, I hate the term neo because there's nothing new about these Nazis. They, they, they are the same mindset. But they're walking today into our houses of worship and killing us in our houses of worship. They are killing us on our streets, as we saw in New Jersey just before Hanukkah. Uh, this this is a very difficult time, and hopefully the 75th anniversary will kind of, you know, get people to focus on what's going on out there. The incidents that you cite, and uh, there are too many, we get it, uh, but is there any chance of industrial-scale mass murder replicating itself like the Holocaust? Well, you know, uh, after the Holocaust, we all said never again, and never be- again became a, 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 a watchword, a watch phrase. Unfortunately, sadly, tragically, it's become not never again, but again and again. Uh, we saw it in uh, Rwanda. We saw it in the killing fields of Cambodia. We saw it in the ethnic cleansing of the former Yugoslavia. And this is in, in, in modern day. And, of course, in Darfur, we, we saw it as well. I mean, it seems to be that genocides can happen, they do happen, and that the past so far has not been a great uh, teacher for the future. Yeah, you know, uh, because 
it's bewildering that these things are continuing to happen unabated. I mean, uh, we've got the situation with the Rohingya in uh, Burma. You've got exactly. uh, the situation as well with uh, the Uyghurs in uh, northwestern China. China. Yeah. Uh, and yet, I don't know, where is the international resolve to I, address these things? You know, I, I I really wish I had the answer for that. I mean, there was no international resolve, even when the Americans and the British and the other allies knew full well of the scope of, of what was going on in, in East, specifically in Eastern Europe, uh, where the camps like Auschwitz and Treblinka, where my family was killed, in Chelmno, in Sobibor, hundreds of thousands, millions in the end were murdered. By the way, not just in gas chambers, of course, but there was the Holocaust by bullets, where mobile killing squads moved around places of Eastern Europe and murdered hundreds of thousands of Jews. So, um, you know, this is uh, this is beyond imagination that here we are in 2020 and we, we still talk about genocides occurring given the scope of, of what we've seen and the refusal of the world to take action. It's like, you know, they, they put their hands over their eyes and they say, let's move on. You know, uh, as you were saying that as well, I was thinking as recently as the mid-90s in southeastern Europe, in the former Yugoslavia, you had, you know, the mass murder of people at Srebrenica and uh, so on. Indeed. So, again, this is why uh, it's very frustrating and bewildering that this goes on and on and on. But I know in past when you and I have talked, uh, you talked about the Holocaust being different from the other genocides. Uh, why did you cite well, that? Well, it, it, it's different in my view in that, it was the first time that a state was involved in the planned wholesale murder of, of, of an entire population, and it, it almost succeeded. Very often, sadly, genocides arise out of war, um, and there aren't plans put together. Let's let, you know, let's eliminate this population. But this was the first time, and that's why it became unique. Is that you know, once something happens once, the chances are that it can happen again. And, you know, never before in history, and has not been repeated, have there been actual gas chambers built, killing units sent out. Even as the war, John, was clearly being lost, and and Hitler knew this quite well, even as the war was being lost, there was an added uh, push to ensure the murder of Jews. And and it is said that close to 800,000 Jews Hungarians and others who, who came late in 1943, 44, 45, uh, were, were murdered in the last few months of the war, the last year of the war. Even when they knew that they needed resources to put into the front, they put those resources into murdering Jews. And so that, that, that unique focus on attempting to annihilate an entire population of people, which almost succeeded, you know, I said today to, to some friends of mine, imagine if six million Jews would not have perished. Imagine what Europe might have been like today. Imagine the doctors and the scientists and the artists. Um, It's, it's, you know, it just tears your heart apart and it's, it's hard to mend. Yeah, uh, that needs to be re-emphasized, the contribution to uh, Western civilization and culture, for sure, underscoring that point. Bernie Farber, chair of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, on this, the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. Something else that we talked about in times past, you know, uh, as we're talking uh, how these things come into being, you say the, the seeds were sown very early. You go back to, well, the early 30s, the Nuremberg Laws. You strip people of certain rights. Uh, you 
identify, you demonize, and it's all done in a very orchestrated fashion. So it's not just, you know, willy-nilly hacking people to death in the streets. There's a whole groundwork put in place, I mean, which just shows you the banality of evil, I guess, is what Hannah Arendt called it about, you know, Eichmann and the final solution and all the rest of that. Uh, That's really at the root of it, the underpinning of how these things can take place on a mass scale. And and think about it. I mean, um, from the time that Hitler became Chancellor of Germany till the beginning of the war in 1939, that was a good seven years, then another five years. It, 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 It took a decade to reach the point where Jews were being transported out of their countries where they lived many for generations. Um, to to the killing places, to these factories of uh, of, of death, and I, I remember it took me a long time uh, to decide to go back, not to go back, but to go to Treblinka. This this was really the graveyard of, of my father's family. He was a sole Jewish survivor of his village. That means his wife and his two children, seven brothers and sisters, his parents, uh, cousins, friends, everybody uh, perished. Everybody was murdered, but him. And they all died. They were all killed, uh, gassed in at Treblinka. And I had been to Auschwitz. I'd been to a number of the a number of the concentration and death camps in my years as the head of the Canadian Jewish Congress. I had never gone back to Treblinka to 2010. I'd gone to Treblinka, and that journey is a journey I will never forget because Treblinka, unlike all the other camps, the the Nazis raised it. Uh, they didn't want they didn't want one thing left of it because that camp was primarily not primarily only death. That's all that camp did was murder Jews. And today when you go there, you see ragged stones. Uh, they're little monuments, uh, mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, uh, almost like with a finger pointing towards God. And each one of those stones represents a, a Jewish village in Poland whose, whose whole populations were, were murdered. And I found my father's uh, village, and I said Kaddish there. And it's probably the first time that anyone, because there was nobody left, said Kaddish as a prayer for the dead, the Hebrew prayer for the dead, at Treblinka for the Jews of that small town. And it, 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 it is an experience that I will never forget. I will take it to, to my grave. It, is, uh, it was heart-searing. Bernie, what do you make of Vladimir Putin playing up Polish complicity in the Holocaust? You know, that it has become political at the 75th anniversary just makes me sick. I mean, that's, that's the only way that I can, uh, I can put it. Uh, look, there, there's there's lots of blame, John, to go around. In Eastern Europe, um, Jews were not especially liked. Uh, there were those in Poland and Lithuania and Latvia who, uh, as my father used to say, would give up Jews for a pound of sugar. Um, but on the other hand, there were civilians who risked their lives, uh, especially in Poland, because in Poland it was a capital offense to hide a Jew. Um, and those, uh, like uh, my father's dearest friend, Julian, who hid him for months in, 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 in a barn and who gave my father life uh, when, when my father was at his lowest point in, 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 you know, where he was. And he said to Julian, I don't know if I can go on. What am I to do? And Julian said to him, as long as I will be alive, you will be alive. And that gave him the heart and the strength to continue. So, you know, when you have a guy like Putin who wants to, to use this anniversary as a means by which to sow discord, uh, that sucks. I mean, it's the only way that I could put it. It, it. It's awful. This is a time to remember. It's a time not to forget. And it's a time to find a way to move forward with that memory so that we can do our best 
to to, to battle hate. It's it's uh, it's not always a winning battle. Bernie, I appreciate your weighing in this afternoon, and uh, especially on such a poignant occasion. Uh, always good to talk, but uh, especially today. Thanks for your time. Thank you, John. Bernie Farber, chair of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 